Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to a brand new episode of Travis on Sports, the podcast where I discuss the latest sports news and give my thoughts. I'm your host, Travis Tyler, back after about a two-week break. Today is Thursday, June 16th, 2022. We'll be covering the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, the NHL, some coach hiring news, a new golf organization feuding with the PGA, the latest from around the NFL, including new ownership for a team and news about Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. There's also a historic streaming deal for Major League Soccer, and we were going to do a Q&A segment at the end, but it doesn't look like any questions were submitted this week, so we'll save that for another show. Remember, for future shows to submit your questions on our Twitter and Facebook pages. We'll begin with the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors lead the Boston Celtics three games to two, with Game 6 being played later tonight in Boston. A win would give the Warriors their fourth championship in the last eight years, and it's particularly impressive because they've fought their way back from having the worst record in the NBA a couple years ago to getting back to their championship form. Part of that was health with all of their big-time players really missing some time. Uh, Clay Thompson was the most notable one with a couple injuries, but Draymond Green and Steph Curry also missed some time. The team hadn't quite been as deep in other years as well, but this year they've returned to that form and they've gotten some breakout performances, particularly Jordan Poole, and I thought Jonathan Kaminga played pretty well when he has. He hasn't really played much, if at all, in the finals, and Andrew Wiggins is also playing some of the best ball of his career, but it's an older core all entering their mid-30s, so... The window may be closing a little bit. They've proven this year, especially in the playoffs, nearly impossible to beat when they're playing at their best. For Boston, been a little more dominant at home during the playoffs, and their defense has been one of the better defenses in the league this year, I thought, especially in the playoffs. Both Boston and Golden State play a balanced brand of team basketball that gets pretty much everybody involved, although their stars at the end of the night will have the bulk of the stats racked up and bulk of the points, but they're very similar approaches. It's just right now, Golden State is the deeper team with more scores at its disposal, more playoff experience on its side, and that's going to make things difficult for Boston. I didn't even think this would last 
six games, but so far it has uh, credit Boston for sticking with it. They've played some tough teams and hung around when it looked like their backs were against the wall throughout the playoffs. So they've been stacking that talent together for a while, and they finally made it to the finals. And with how young their core is right now, they're probably going to get back there in upcoming years. In other NBA news, the Los Angeles Lakers have hired a new coach. The team hired former NBA small forward Darvin Ham, who played 12 years in the league and was a key bench player for the 2004 NBA champion Detroit Pistons that beat the Lakers in five games to win the title. He got into coaching as soon as his career ended in 2008 and has been part of past Lakers staffs under Mike Brown uh, with Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol there. He was a key assistant for the Atlanta Hawks in their 2015 season in which they finished with the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. In this past couple years, he's been an assistant for the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. He's been praised for his ability to teach and develop roster talent in each place that he's coached. So that's good for getting young talent into that Lakers team which, you know, the oldest team in the NBA this year, they don't have that young talent in there right now, but they're going to need it to mold it into the team that Lakers fans have come to expect on the floor over the historic success of the of the franchise. Ham is also bringing in his former teammate Rasheed Wallace as an assistant coach on that staff. The Utah Jazz are in search for a new head coach now that Quinn Snyder has decided to step down from his position. Snyder had been with the Jazz for eight years and took the team to six straight playoff appearances and was a finalist for the Coach of the Year in 2018. He played at Duke in the late 80s, got his first assistant coaching job with the Clippers in 92. He's been an assistant at Duke, several NBA teams overseas in Moscow, and he's also been the head coach of the Austin Toros of the G League and the University of Missouri for the uh, Missouri Tigers. The Jazz won 51 games in just his third season at the helm. And like I said, they've been to the playoffs six of the eight years he has been there. ESPN reported that ownership tried to convince him to return and even offered another contract extension for him. But Snyder felt it was time to walk away and, and he walks away with two years left on his contract. The Houston Rockets and Dallas Mavericks have agreed to a trade. The Rockets trade center Christian Wood to the Dallas Mavericks for a big man Boban Marjanovic, guard Trey Burke, forward Marcus Chris, forward Sterling Brown, and the 26th overall pick in next week's NBA draft. If you look at the Mavs now, you now have a starting lineup of Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, if they're able to re-sign him. He is a free agent this offseason and will command a lot of teams' attention. Dwight Powell and Christian Wood. Clearly, the Mavs are winning this trade, even giving up that 26th overall pick of the first-round pick. Um, That gives Houston a little bit of ammunition to build up a young team that's still in the beginning phases of the rebuild, really. And the players they acquired aren't going to make a difference. They aren't going to suddenly make... Houston competitive Trey Burke and Marcus Chris were both former top 10 picks that have busted Sterling Brown's been an okay bench player for a few teams but he's not a huge difference maker and Boban Marjanovic you know he's got the personality fans love him 
there's nothing against him. He's just his size is his greatest strength on the court, his greatest attribute on the court. He's a little slow footed, which tends to happen with guys that size, and he's not that athletic. There are limitations to his conditioning and to his uh, athletic abilities, but he is a very solid backup center in the league, um, and he's a very likable guy. For the Mavs, they're getting an all-star big man who's still just 26 years old. He's coming off a year where he averaged about 18 points per game and almost 11 rebounds per game. He also shoots, you know, for a big man, lights out from three at nearly 40%, which is not normal for someone in his position. He's an incredibly athletic, um, balanced player. And Dallas had some troubles with their uh, interior players when they went up against teams that had the all-star caliber players, those positions. Wood gives them a guy who can go in and guard those positions and be a little more effective than the guys that were on the roster before that. As of right now, he's scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent after the coming season, but it adds talent as a spot that the Mavericks needed to address. The NHL season has reached the Stanley Cup Finals with Tampa Bay and Colorado meeting in Game 1 last night. Colorado had the best record in hockey this season and made the playoffs look rather easy. Tampa Bay finished third in its division, but uh, has made its way to the finals in search of the NHL's first three-peat since the 1980s. Game one, Colorado got off to an early start and got three first-period goals on the best goaltender in the game, Andre Vasilevsky. Very uncharacteristic start to the game for them. He did settle in and and, uh, Tampa made a game out of it. The Lightning scored two goals in the span of about 48 seconds, I believe it was, in the second period. And game went to overtime, tied 3-3. But in overtime, Colorado really controlled the puck for most of the period and quickly capitalized on a rebound out front and put it in the net to take game one and take a one nothing lead in the Stanley Cup Finals. Kale McCarr really stood out in this game. I know if you listen to people talk about hockey, you hear his name come up all the time recently, and he's a young defenseman. And if you're a hockey fan, you're already familiar with what he is. But this is the first time I had the chance to really sit down and really watch him. And he was outstanding. He's a huge difference maker. Defensemen aren't supposed to be as fast as him, as skate as well as him have that kind of stick-handling skill, have that kind of game-changing ability on their stick. There were times in the game when it looked like there was nothing going on, and all of a sudden, McCars are creating a scoring chance on his own. Defensemen don't really do that, and he's a huge advantage for Colorado, and, and, and a player that is going to give Tampa fits throughout this series and will, will make a difference in some of the games in the series. We'll have to see how Tampa adjusts to how he was playing and how his teammates are able to feed off of those adjustments. The Lightning in this game, I thought they were fine once Vasilevsky settled in and um, stopped allowing easy goals for Colorado, but now they're trailing in the series. They've trailed earlier in the postseason. Um, They had a really tough series against New York and pulled that one out, so each time they've fallen behind in a series so far this postseason, they've been able to come back. The only time they really didn't have a problem was in the Florida series. So the question becomes, can Tampa do it again? Can they rally for their third straight Stanley Cup? In other NHL news, the Vegas Golden Knights have hired former Boston Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy to be their new head coach. 
Cassidy was a bit of a surprise firing this offseason after spending five and a half years with the Bruins after he was tapped as the interim head coach to replace Claude Julien and earned his way to the permanent position. The Bruins won 245 games, had 108 regulation losses, and 46 overtime losses under Cassidy and made the playoffs in each of his seasons. This year was by far the worst performance they've had. They barely made the playoffs as a wildcard team, lost to Carolina in the first round, were fourth in their division, I believe. So Cassidy is out of Boston and moves into Vegas. Vegas had also been rumored to be targeting Barry Trotz, but it's Cassidy who gets the call to replace Peter DeBoer, and it will be his third NHL head coaching job. He's got a lot of experience in college and the AHL. He was the Washington Capitals head coach in the, for two years in the early 2000s. Bruins were his second job, and now Vegas becomes his third. DeBoer, Trotz, and a lot of other guys have been talked about from most of the remaining openings. In the NHL, which included the Detroit Red Wings, the Dallas Stars, the Winnipeg Jets, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the aforementioned Boston Bruins. A little bit of golf news now. The PGA is facing some stiff competition as more and more of its members have left for the upstart LIV Tour, Live Tour. I don't even know how you say it right now because it's new. Um, It's a Saudi Arabian-funded golf tour And it gets its name from the Roman numerals for 54, which are the number of holes that uh, make up each tournament in the LIV world. And it's also the score that you would have if you were to birdie every hole of of a par 72 course. Their first event was held in London on June 9th, so about a week ago, and won by Charles Schwartzel, who won the most prize money of a single event in golf history with $4 million winnings from that event. The PGA has banned all LIV participants from any PGA events, and a lot of golfers leaving for the new tour have lost some sponsors. Some of the golfers that left, well, we talked about Schwartzel, Dustin Johnson, Graham McDowell, Patrick Reed, James Pyatt, Phil Mickelson played in the last tournament, Louis Ustez and Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood. The CEO of the new tour is former PGA great Greg Norman. Honestly, this thing needs to get figured out. The big money is clearly the big draw. LIV is offering all these huge contracts and these huge prize purses, and that's naturally going to draw a lot of golfers in. The question I keep having, because I don't know exactly what their funding sources or whatever are, how long can they keep funding those tournaments and those huge prize packages before it starts running low and those players have to beg for the PGA to take them back. I think the PGA is wrong for banning them. It should be up to the golfers to decide which tournaments and which tours they want to participate in. In college sports, the four teams joining the Big 12 as expansion members will officially become members on July 1st, 2023. That's Cincinnati, BYU, Central Florida, and Houston Texas and Oklahoma soon will be leaving for the SEC, but as of right now, it looks like they will be members of the Big 12 still in 2023, which will make it a 14-team league for that season. Because of those departures, Conference USA has lost some teams to the AAC, or the American Athletic Conference, and there's been a lot of reshuffling in uh, college conferences. Uh, Six teams will be leaving Conference USA for the American Athletic Conference Also on July 1st, 2023, those teams would be Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, Texas San Antonio, 
Rice, and UAB, which is Alabama, Birmingham, that will also make the AAC a 14-team league. There's a couple not-so-bad teams in there. Florida Atlantic's pretty good. Charlotte's had a good year. UTSA had a really good year last year. UAB's had some solid years and fought Miami pretty well last year. I just feel like there's a couple other teams they could have tried to pull in, like a Coastal Carolina or Appalachian State or Arkansas State even from the... Sunbelt, but hey, whatever works for them, fine. And also some of that is going to cause some FCS teams, or if you're older fans, Division One AA teams to move up to the FBS or Division One single A. James Madison, who's become a powerhouse in the FCS, will play the 2022 season as an FBS independent and then join the Sunbelt Conference in 2023. Similar fashion, but a little different case here. Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State are also moving up, and they will join Conference USA in 2023. And 2022 will serve as a transitioning period for them where they will stay in their FCS conferences but will be ineligible for postseason play. And I'm just realizing this off the top of my head here that, sure, these teams have been really good in the FCS, but it would also make... A ton of sense for North Dakota State to move up a level after the, all the domination they've had winning championships at the FCS level. I'm a little surprised that nobody picked them up there. I mean, they could make sense in the Big 12. They could make sense in the Mountain West. They could make sense in the Pac-12. Um, even the Big Ten or even the American Athletic Conference, which is all over the map. So I'm a little surprised that those guys aren't moving up, but I think it's coming soon. Uh, in other FCS news, Idaho State assistant coach Devontae Neal has been arrested and charged with first-degree murder, among other charges that stem from a drive-by shooting that took place in Arizona in 2017. The Idaho State job was his first collegiate coaching job, and he's been placed on administrative leave, and the expectation is that they are starting the termination process for his employment, or more accurately, unemployment. The future sites for the Army-Navy football game have been announced through 2027. We already knew that this year's game in 2022 is going to be in Philadelphia. 2023 has been announced as Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots play. Washington, D.C. will host in 2024, Baltimore in 2025, MetLife Stadium in New Jersey where the Jets and Giants play is 2026 site, and 2027 will return to Philadelphia. I think it's great that they're moving this game around to get more cities involved to see uh, these teams play. Not a lot of Army and Navy games are on national TV or primetime uh viewing and to have a standalone game after everyone else finishes was a great tradition that they've always had and it's great to see them get the chance to showcase future leaders and those who have or will serve our country and give them a chance to take center stage in a big city in a competitive game and get a, get a chance to play on NFL fields because a lot of them don't end up going to the NFL at least in recent years but there are a few exceptions to that. College basketball Arizona has given men's coach Tommy Lloyd a five-year contract extension with a $1 million raise in salary. 
the contract runs through 2027 and it will pay him 19 million in total. Lloyd led the Wildcats to a 33 and 4 season in his first year with the team and won the National Coach of the Year. It was Arizona's best season since 2003, and now he's rightfully getting rewarded. They came out of nowhere, developed talent. You got Ben Mathurin, who's most likely a top 10 pick in this in next week's NBA draft. Uh, I'm forgetting the big guy's name, but he's also, um, if he's in the draft, he's got a chance to get drafted. But if he's come back, uh, that's fine. And they became one of the country's best teams. Uh, after you know Sean Miller left, steadying that ship with all the turmoil from the allegations they were facing and uh, recruiting violations and whatever it was, he did a great job getting them back to what they should be, which is a competitive, nationally relevant team, um, and he deserves every bit of that contract extension and could be there for a very long time if things continue to go the way they've been going to the nfl we have a little bit of an update in the deshaun watson situation i think the last time we talked about this there were 22 open lawsuits against him i believe they're now 24 again i have no idea what kind of research the cleveland browns did before making the trade with houston i saw rumored articles about the trade possibly being rescinded but i don't know how plausible that could possibly be to my knowledge there's no way they can uh, go back on that. Um, and it looks more and more foolish by the day. Cleveland gave up three first-round picks. Pissed off their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Need to find a trade for them. I'll get to Baker in a minute. And the more that comes out in the testimonies, the less likely it looks like Watson will be able to play this season. Whether that's for legal reasons or further sanctions and penalties from the league. Uh, regardless of the trial outcome it just does not look like a good deal for him um, we'll keep monitoring that situation until there is a verdict and we find out more about his eligibility and everything as i mentioned baker mayfield he was excused from brown's otas in mandatory minicamp for obvious reasons he is not going to be the quarterback for the browns this year even if he is still under contract and even if watson isn't able to play because They've pissed him off that much. I, I don't see any way where they have to turn to somebody other than Watson. I don't see any way Baker's going to be like, well, fine, I'll be the number two option here, and I'll I'll start until you no longer need me. He's not that kind of guy. Uh, it's not a knock against Baker. He's just he's a guy that wants to be on the field and show that he's an NFL quarterback. Reports have surfaced that Carolina wants to get a deal done for Mayfield, although there are supposedly some hesitations about his contract, which is what has scared a lot of other teams away. And Bleacher Report has reported that Cleveland has no interest in taking on Sam Darnold as part of the return package for Mayfield. I still think Mayfield puts Carolina in a better position than to succeed than Sam Darnold does, but for Baker's side of things... Um, it might not be the best position from an individual performance, individual outcome. His supporting cast, his receivers, his tight ends. You have Christian McCaffrey at running back, but there's nobody else around him that's shown, well, maybe DJ Moore a little bit. There's nobody else around him on that offense that's shown that they are 
a legitimate NFL caliber weapon. Plus, that offensive line is not great. He's going to face a lot more pressure. The options have basically boiled down to Carolina and Seattle, and Carolina's uh, the only team that we've heard anything about recently. Both those teams could use Baker. Neither one of those teams is going to put Baker in a great position. I think he's got better skill players if he goes to Seattle, but the, the protection in front of him is at either spot is not uh, as good as what he has in Cleveland right now, even though Cleveland uh, not necessarily a great offensive line, but it's better than those two teams. The Los Angeles Rams have reached an agreement with star wide receiver Cooper Cup on a new contract. It's a three-year extension worth up to $80 million, and it keeps the Super Bowl MVP in Los Angeles through the 2026 season. He came close to breaking Calvin Johnson's single-season receiving yards record last year and has become one of the elite young receivers in the NFL with Allen Robinson in the fold and an improved offense and what may end up being an improved Matthew Stafford, although he didn't need to uh, improve that much. He's going to be in for another big year, and he could post even bigger numbers this year when defenses aren't able to key in as much on him uh, when trying to stop the Rams' offense. Pittsburgh Steelers also handed out a contract extension, all-pro safety make Fitzpatrick making him the highest-paid safety in the NFL on a four-year deal, $73.6 million. This is being traded to the Steelers a couple years ago from the Dolphins. He's shown that he was a missing piece for an otherwise elite defense, although you could make an argument that the linebackers could use some improvements as well, but that's a different point. That's a point for another day. Fitzpatrick is a star on the back end and has, like I said, already multiple All-Pro selections in his career. He's still only 25 years old. He's got a lot of football left to play. And we saw how bad the Steelers' secondary was before he got there without that all-pro caliber safety in the middle of the field. So locking him up for the foreseeable future and making him a focal point in the defense was a no-brainer, especially with his youth and potential and the difference that he makes on that defense. The Denver Broncos have new ownership. The deal still needs to be reviewed, but there are five groups reportedly competing for the team ownership, and it was sold last week to the Walton Penner Group, which is made up of members of the Walton family that owns and created Walmart. Uh, The sale was for $4.65 billion, which is a new record for a North American franchise, topping the 2020 sale of the New York Mets, which was almost $2.5 billion. So they've topped that by a little over $2 billion. And uh, I believe the biggest globally was a $5 billion purchase um, in the Premier League over in Europe. Major League Soccer has entered a historic streaming agreement with Apple TV+. Plus. It's a 10-year deal that will allow fans beginning in 2023 to see all the matches from the MLS through the Apple TV app without any local blackouts or restrictions. Uh, the agreement comes with some other stipulations in there as well. Um, new featured content for MLS through Apple TV+. Plus, and this is 
huge deal because the bigger leagues aren't really making the move to making every game legally streamable on a lot of these sites, but you've seen streaming companies pivoting towards having live sports and making sure that people know they have live sports. Apple TV has Major League Baseball games from time to time, although you don't get to pick what game it is. This deal, I think, opens a door for the other leagues doing something similar, and speaking as an out-of-market fan myself, it would be a big advancement if we could get all these leagues to make our out-of-market teams available to watch um, whenever they're playing, like the MLS is about to do. Um, Obviously, you'll have to see what kind of success and what kind of monetary value and everything they get out of that, especially since well, Sunday Ticket the NFL has a lot at stake with the with the money and the value around that um, and people bidding for those rights. If Apple TV could get those rights, that would be awesome based on everything that they've been doing in their sports and making things more available to everybody. This was going to be the Q&A segment, but we have no questions, so you know, submit your questions to our Facebook and Twitter for the next show. I'll be posting on Twitter and Facebook to remind you, but that's going to be it for this week's show. You can check out some of my other work on the Ultimate Sports Networks and on the Football Savant blog and Football Savant podcast if you're interested. Thanks again for tuning in and be sure to follow and subscribe and I will be back with a new episode of Travis on Sports at some point next week. (laughs) 